Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's just uh, dodge some of the obstacles on the way up. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. Morning, everyone. Um, great to be back in person, isn't it? It's been, um, it feels like a long time since we've been here face-to-face. Um, now, uh, unlike um, Professor Rodahara, Paul Cooper's my name. Most people call me Coops, other than the professor who refers to me as Coops Cooper, but I'm one of the pastors here at um, Trinity Church Mobbury. Now, I would love it if you could leave your Bibles or your devices open there at Matthew 1 verse 18, and um, I'll be referring to that as we go. So let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this great news of your Son and the way that you've preserved this word for us. Father, we just ask this morning you'd help us to grasp the magnificence of it, the way that you've worked directly in the world and the way that you've worked directly in our lives. Help us, Father, now to listen well and to see you in all your power and in all your love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as um, Stephen talked about, it really has been a year of the unexpected, hasn't it? We um, didn't expect a pandemic. Uh, Certainly, when we came across here uh, middle of last year and we were interviewed, no one asked us about a one in 100 year pandemic. We had lots of questions, but no one said, how would you handle a pandemic if that came across the following year? So lots of changes this year. And for lots of us, I think uh, Christmas this year will be different, won't it? We'll be spending it perhaps in a different way. Maybe we'll be spending it uh, with different people. So many, many changes. But through it all, you know, God has been sovereignly in control across all of that. And we see it actually in this passage that Darren just read for us. God's influence over world events and his plan to save people, all happening exactly as God always planned that it would And so as far as unexpected events go, we've just heard this account of Joseph and Mary. And Joseph, the whole passage is really from Joseph's point of view, isn't it? And Joseph in this passage, he confronts this situation that he certainly never expected. A situation for him, it's far bigger, far more significant than a one in 100 year pandemic, the birth of Jesus Christ. So this is like the big reveal, if you like, of God's miraculous plan to save his people. So I want us for a moment just to try and imagine being Joseph 
being in Joseph's shoes in this situation. Now, he's in this really tough spot, isn't he? There's this young couple. They're pledged to be married to each other. Jewish, of course, Joseph and Mary. And so they're ready to spend the rest of their lives together. Now, for them, if you were pledged to be married, um, this lasted for about a year before the day. And it's more legal than the sort of verbal engagement, you know, that we are more used to these days, where we'd ask someone to marry and give a ring, that sort of thing. More legal than that. And so we could imagine Joseph, right, leading up to this wedding, imagine thinking about the sorts of things he'd be thinking about, probably similar to the way we might think leading up to marriage. You know, where, where are we going to live? What's it going to be like to live with Mary? Do I have to upgrade my donkey now that there's two of us? <laughs> I'm glad you laughed, actually, because really... Always a risk putting a joke in early. <laughs> um, but all these things, right, that, uh, that Joseph no doubt is, is thinking through and wrestling with, and then he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And if you notice there, it's up on the screen, verse 18, it says she was found to be pregnant. So Joseph certainly knows. Maybe others know as well, and certainly as time goes on, it's going to become more obvious, isn't it? And there is no way that this baby is Joseph's. He knows that. They're not married. They're not living together. And they live in a culture different to ours, very honour-based, right? This is an honour-based culture. Honour is everything. And so a pregnancy that looked like this, this would bring great shame to both of the families. So what are his options? If he stays with her, it looks like they've done the wrong thing together. If he doesn't, well, it just looks like Mary has. And either way, tremendous shame and great judgment, right, on both of these families. So imagine the gossip. Could you imagine the friends of Mary's parents? Have you heard about Mary? Unbelievable. She's brought up such a nice family. Always the quiet ones. It really is. And Joseph's such a nice boy. Or Mary's friends. Oh, my God. My goodness. You will never guess what Mary did. Always knew she had a wild side. Her dad is going to be so mad. Or Joseph's friends. Mate, that's just not cool. You've got to cut her loose. Like She's just not for you. There would have been this tremendous pressure from society. And under Jewish law, adultery carried the death penalty. Under the Roman Empire, they're not able to carry that out. But you can see this would have been... You know, a really, really serious thing. And so Joseph decides here, well, the best thing he can do is just end this quietly. This is the most honourable thing that he can do in the circumstances. And society would have expected that. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is something spectacular. God says here to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now for some, you know, perhaps not familiar with this account, this can be hard to comprehend, the Spirit causing Mary to be pregnant with the Son of God. But if you remember back in Genesis 1, the creation account, God creates everything out of nothing. And if God can create like that, then this is no issue for God. And if you remember back in Genesis 1, the Spirit is very involved in the act of creation, the beginning of everything. And so just like the role that the Spirit had then, 
Here the Spirit heralds a new beginning as well. And God goes on to say that Joseph is to name the baby. See, by naming him, Joseph accepts him into his family. And that is significant because Joseph is from King David's family line. That's why God addressed him as Joseph, son of David. And so if he names this baby, Joseph makes him King David's descendant, his legal descendant. And you remember a few weeks ago, feels like a few weeks, it was probably a little bit longer, we just covered 2 Samuel 7, didn't we? A thousand years before Jesus' birth, God tells King David that it would be through David's offspring that his kingdom would be established forever. God pointing his people forward to what he had planned. And so that means that this baby is the Christ. This is the Messiah of the Old Testament. This is the person that God's people have been waiting for, the one who will save. And it's right there in the name, actually. Jesus means Yahweh saves, God saves. It's all God's plan, unfolding exactly as he said that it would, bringing salvation. But not from Israel's enemies, as many thought that, uh, or mistakenly expected. Joseph's day, they're under the thumb of the Roman Empire. And they may not have realised it, but that actually wasn't their biggest problem. No, the salvation that Jesus will bring is not the defeat of their earthly enemies. He's going to save them from their much bigger problem of their sin. That's the gift of Christmas. And it's the gift that he offers us as well. God sending his son to save his people from their sin. It's a gift. We don't do anything to earn that. God's done it all for us. Starting right here in the birth of Jesus Christ. And you won't find any other belief or any other religion where a God sorts that all out for you. In those faiths you always have to do something. Because it's a human instinct to think that way. But actually the one God has done it all for us. The one true God has done it all. And so Matthew, the author of the gospel here, he points us again to God's plan when he says here in verse 22 that the Lord spoke about the birth of Jesus through the prophet. And he's quoting the prophet Isaiah a bit more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus. God again pointing his people forward to what he'd planned. Now this was a time where the 12 tribes of Israel, if you remember, they'd split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is ruled by King Ahaz. And like Joseph, Ahaz is from the line of David. And Ahaz has a pretty big problem that he has to deal with as well. So there's a little bit of a map here showing you geographically what these empires or these kingdoms look like. So the northern kingdom there, uh, the purple or pinkish sort of colour there, what's in the middle, that's the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. Syria in the green. And both Israel and Syria, they'd come along to Ahaz and they wanted him to join in a fight and take on the Assyrians up there in the red. Uh, that was the big empire of the time and Ahaz understandably wasn't too keen to have that fight. He's quite concerned what might happen if he joins in with these nations and goes to war. But he's also worried if he refuses, well what will Israel and Syria do to him? He's worried they might turn and attack him instead. And in the book of Isaiah, in the Old Testament, 
It's recorded that the Lord speaks to Ahaz through the prophet of Isaiah. And he says this. He says to Ahaz, look, don't fear the nations. Trust me. Trust God. Don't worry about them attacking you. That would never happen. And history shows actually that that's true. Israel and Syria never did attack Judah in that way. But Ahaz didn't stand firm in faith. Instead, he decided to trust something human. So he goes to Assyria, the big red kingdom that I showed up there. He went to Assyria. He rats them out, tells them what's going on, and he asks for protection, and he gets it of a sorts. He gets protection from Assyria, but he comes, they become a client state. They have to bow down before Assyria, and that means bowing down and accepting their gods. And it means turning from the one true God. And what they did was open the door, really, for the eventual destruction of David's kingdom, David's dynasty and the kingdom. And that's God's judgment for them turning away from him. And so with that in view, Isaiah speaks this prophecy that Matthew repeated there for us in verse 23. He says that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And around 700 years later, that prophecy is completely fulfilled with the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, who is Emmanuel, God with us. Again, God's plan to save unfolding just like he said it would. See, Ahaz, he didn't trust and he looked for a solution from the world. And in contrast, Joseph ignores the expectations of his society and he does trust. So which of those ways do we most relate to? See, sin, sin is turning away from God who created all of this, created all of us. And we can't just ignore the bloke that made everything and expect him to be okay with that. That's what sin is, ignoring God. The God who made everything and knows how we need to live in his creation. And when we ignore that, when we ignore him, it leads to brokenness and it leads to mess. And it's serious. And it has consequences. It has to. There'd be no justice if God just sort of let that rebellion go. And like Ahaz found, there is judgment for turning away from God. And so in this account of Jesus... I wonder if you see the brilliance of God's solution to that sin. Death and judgment is the price to be paid for sin. And it's a human problem, so it's got to be paid by a human. But the sin of all of God's people can't be paid by one person because the price is too high. Unless the person's God. And so about 33 years after his birth, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. The price paid by the man Jesus Christ, who is also the Son of God. Justice dealt with for human sinfulness by the greatest act of love imaginable. Love and justice coming together on the cross as God took it on himself to pay our debt all according to God's plan. 
Because we can't be in God's presence unless that sin is dealt with. But by trusting that Jesus has dealt with it for us, we are forgiven. And Jesus, who was sinless, was raised again to be with the Father. And so will we be. So will we be. If we trust. This is God's perfect plan to deal with sin. Beginning right in this passage with God's Son being born of Mary. The greatest gift to be brought near to God. And so we see two people in this passage, don't we? Both descendants of David, Ahaz and Joseph. And their situations are different. Ahaz had a kingdom he was ruling over. By the time Joseph turns up, the kingdom doesn't exist anymore. And none of us are kings and none of us are related to King David, as far as I'm aware. But there are two examples here of different choices about God. Trusting God not trusting God. And that is relevant to us. It's the same for us. It's one or the other. We either trust God or we don't. There's no third option in that. Ignoring the decision is not trusting. God spoke to Ahaz and he spoke to Joseph and he's spoken to us too. He's spoken to us through his son Jesus, and it's all preserved for us in the Bible. And we can't argue that Jesus wasn't a real bloke. There's too much evidence outside of the Bible that Jesus was real, so we can't debate that. I'm very happy to discuss that with you if you'd like to chat about it. But history shows that Jesus Christ walked the earth. And he wasn't just a great moral teacher. He was that, but he was much more. He claimed he could forgive sins. And if you make that claim, you're either the son of God, born of Mary, as this passage describes, and capable of bringing forgiveness, or you're a lunatic. You can't have it both ways. He either did exist or he didn't. And if he existed, then he either could do the things that he claimed, or he was quite mad. And when I read these accounts of Jesus, I get the impression he was very well right within his right mind. Now, in the time after Ahaz, judgment came upon God's people because they'd turned from God. Don't let that be you. If you haven't come to a decision about Jesus yet, please read one of the Gospels, one of the biographies of Jesus this Christmas. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest one, and I've got a couple of copies if you'd like one. But please read it and take your time, take your time to make your own mind up. And if you do know Jesus as your king, then you know that God is with us. God is with us. There is no greater assurance than that. Even when there's times when we may not feel it. Know that he is. God is with us and we can stand firm in that. It's been God's plan all along and he's delivered. It's not about God. It's not about us. Or how we feel, it's about him and what he's done. And if we keep our eyes on that, rather than on ourselves, we stand firm. God is with us and that is news that is absolutely worth telling someone over the next few weeks. The real message of Jesus' birthday and the real message of Christmas is that Jesus gives sinners the gift of God's love. God with us, the true message of Christmas.
and the means by which we go forward and we boldly declare it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this amazing account of the birth of your Son, the way in which you sent him into the world to bring love and justice together through him. And Father, we know that this is the most tremendous gift and one which we do nothing to earn. It's done completely by you. And so, Father, we pray that this Christmas we might turn our eyes away from ourselves and focus only on that. Please help us to speak of the real meaning of Christmas this year and give us the courage and the words. And Father, we pray that many would come to know your truth and the wonderful knowledge that you are with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.